BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, everyone. I'm Irene, and I have a story about the betrayal of friends. When everyone turns their back on you all at once, how does it feel? Have any of you experienced this? It's a completely different kind of pain when friends are dumped. It's not like other people because these are the people who know you more than your parents, boyfriends, or girlfriends. I was born into a wealthy family. The paparazzi never left our house. We even had to make ourselves a high gate and hire guards so we could live in the house in peace. At first, it was amusing. Some pictures appeared on the net, in magazines, on TV, and people were making stuff up discussing things. But once, when I was very sick, a doctor came to our house. He was without a robe, in plain clothes, gave me an injection, an IV, which made me very dizzy. I wanted to get out of bed, but I couldn't. He just politely put his arms around me and I got up. At that time, someone managed to take a picture of us. The picture spread all over the internet and started rumors that this was my boyfriend. What the hell? I was so mad because the first person who called me was my real boyfriend, Roland. I had to explain to him for over two hours that it was just a doctor. Roland is jealous, and he couldn't stand it if I talked to any other males, let alone hugged them. That photographer got fished out and was sued for invasion of privacy. But that's a lot of nerve to have. After the lawsuit, the tabloids have been a little calmer, and even my friend Agnes noticed this. Look, where are the reporters? Where's the noise? The excitement? It's good that there aren't any. You don't know how fucking creepy it is to just be in your own fucking house and be afraid of looking like shit, of not washing your hair or putting makeup on, just because you might be photographed and the picture might be put on the internet. You sound like an old woman. You're young and beautiful. You should be popular. You know, it used to be cool to visit you, because I also shone in the pictures. And now it's just lame. Roland and I don't need it. Is your boyfriend tired of the attention, too? Yeah, kind of. He said he'd like to take a break. Ever since we started dating, he's been famous, too. Everyone keeps saying how handsome he is. Like, I don't even know it. What a bunch of jerks. What? I said you should enjoy the money and the gossip. You're like two old men. I'd give anything to be followed and photographed, but they don't pay attention to me, even if I'm your friend and your only one. I didn't understand Agnes, and she didn't understand me. I was tired of the excitement. I wanted a quiet life. But the moment the calm came, I didn't yet know that it was only the calm before the storm. Before the real, terrible storm. One day, Roland and I were eating lunch at a cafe on the street, and a dog came up to me. Such a bright golden retriever. I couldn't stand animals. He looked at me, I looked at him, and I saw fur fly off him and land in my glass of water. Yuck, yuck, yuck! Get out of here, get out! I yelled. Roland gave her half a sausage, and she ate it, and left. Why does that dog always follow you? I have no idea. I hate animals. Maybe you should meet her. She's wearing a collar, so it must be someone's. Then why does she follow me? I haven't been able to get rid of her for the last two years. Whether it's in the parking lot, on the street, or in a cafe, she finds me everywhere and just sits there, watching me. It's scary. That dog really did follow me around a lot. 
I never saw her owner, and she was walking around like she didn't have a home. Then Roland reached into his phone and showed me a picture. Oh look, it took less than five seconds for a picture of you and me to come up. Yeah, we were eating and someone took a picture of us and posted it. It's annoying. I turned off the internet on my phone and asked Roland to do the same. I just wanted to eat in peace. But 20 minutes later, Agnes called. She gave me some horrible news. Your father has been photographed. The pictures have gone viral. Irene, I'm so sorry. I turned on the internet and I got tons of messages. Pictures of my father with some girl. They were hugging. I dropped my phone from my hands. Roland paid and we ran to his car. It was my father's mistress. My mom had been sick for a couple of years and barely got out of bed. I couldn't believe he'd betray her. How did the paparazzi even find him? Only I knew he was on his way to my late grandfather's house. Agnes reassured me, came up to me, and we spotted the camera again. The pictures of my friend appeared on the web. Everyone started writing that this friend kind of came to support me. That was true, but why the hell bother? Who could have known where he was going? No one knows where my grandpa's house is. Do you remember, Agnes? It was just you and me that day when Dad told me about the trip. I can't believe this. It's like you said, even living in your own house is crippling, but it's only temporary. The rumors and the gossip will dissipate. But things only got bigger. Mother found out about it from the news, too. My father tried to justify himself, saying that he had no one else and that this was the first time he'd seen any other woman. But my mother didn't believe him, and she kicked him out of the house. My life then went to hell. Gradually, our family's ratings dropped. The media wrote nasty things. And Agnes and Roland started coming around less and less often. Their families didn't want my family to vilify them. Eventually, I was left alone with my ill mother. One night, after making sure my mother was asleep, I went out for a walk. It was so fresh and pleasant, and I sat down on the bank of a little pond in the park. I loved being there when no one else was around, and I felt so bitter that I cried. And then, something <gasps> licked my hand. I gasped. It was that dog! You again? What the hell are you doing here? Where's your owner? It's late. My stomach made a loud gurgle. Yeah, I was hungry and I didn't have any money. The house is a mess. We spent everything we had on my mom's medicine. The dog took me by the sleeve of my sweatshirt and pulled me somewhere. She led me to the store and left me standing on the street. What was she doing? After a couple of minutes, the dog ran out of there to the screams of a guard. Out of fear, I ran after the dog, hoping I hadn't been spotted. We walked back to the pond, where the dog put a bag at my feet, and in the bag were burgers. Apparently, someone took them for themselves, and she brought them to me. It made me laugh. I thanked the dog and shared my food with her. Wow, here I am, sitting with a dog, eating stolen food. They wouldn't believe me if I told them. I'd been interacting with a dog, and I noticed that it was very comfortable. I spoke up and he listened, lying on my feet. You know, I can't stand animals. I never have. Only once did I see a cute dog that looked like her. That was about two years ago. There was this awesome guy walking her. I got hooked on looking at them. We only met once. I didn't even ask his name and then we went her separate ways. The dog barked, and I even got scared. What are you doing? Did I say something wrong? Agnes says I always say something wrong. Imagine, she hasn't even called me once this week, and neither has Roland. Roland doesn't even answer his phone. They fucked me up, I guess. The dog took me by the sleeve and again led me somewhere. I tried to tell him not to do it, that I wasn't hungry anymore, but he wouldn't let me go. What are you doing? I asked as he led me to a place not far from us. Behind the bushes stood Agnes and Roland. They were kissing. My knees shook, and I hid and sat on the crusts and couldn't calm down. I can't believe we're together now. I should have done it a long time ago. I always liked you better than Irene. Tell me, did you hire that reporter to take pictures of her father? You know, I always get what I want. I had to pull some strings to be popular. When her family was falling apart, I was all over the photos and videos. Now that I'm noticed, Irene's gone underground on her own. It's brutal, but I like it. I wanted to lash out at them after those words, but my dog beat me to it. The dog grabbed Agnes's purse and pulled her down. 
The two of them screamed in so much fear. I then came out from behind the tree and looked at them. Now I'll say one word and my dog will tear you apart. They pleaded, begging me not to. The dog snatched Agnes's bag and I saw the paparazzi's business card and pictures printed with my father and a pile of money. Agnes tried to justify herself and I said, Get him! And the dog growled, and the two of them ran away. Those bastards. It didn't make me feel any better. I went home, but the dog still wouldn't let up. Look, I'm tired. It's nighttime. I want to sleep. Where else are you going to take me? And anyway, why are you helping me? Who are you? I heard a man's voice. The dog answered him with a bark and came toward us. His face seemed so familiar. He petted the dog and said, Thank you for being with him. Because of work, I can't keep an eye on him. I take him with me, but at some point, I lost him. I knew he'd be here. This is his favorite place. Yeah, you have an unusual dog. He's more like a lawyer. (laughs) I guess it's because of my job. Oh, is your name Irene? His face went pale. Mine too. I saw his camera, and I knew. So, it was you. You ruined my life. I wanted to cry, but he immediately apologized. I'm sorry, I fell for the money, and I gave everything to Agnes, every penny. It doesn't matter. Do you realize what you've done? My father left. My mother threw him out. I know where he lives. And that girl, your friend bought her. She hugged him and I took pictures, and she spread false information against him. I swear I didn't write it, and I'm bitterly sorry for what I did. Are you telling me that my dad didn't cheat on my mom? No, and he's so unhappy without you. He lives in his father's house now. How do you know it's my grandfather's house? I'm a photographer. I sulked for a long time, but then he helped me rebuild my life. I sued Agnes and won, and my family's reputation was cleared. The photographer and I became friends, and I saw a picture of him with Buddy's puppy. Yes, that was him! The same cute guy from two years ago. And what's next? I think everything leads to a relationship. And as for Agnes and Roland, they're no longer in my life. And I'm glad. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Hello everyone, my name is Susie and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first, it happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged, and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand and I was eagerly taking a bite of it, but suddenly I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. 
Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot, doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this, and I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed, and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor behind the stairs where it was possible to talk face to face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. 
Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments. Click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. Hi, my name is Kira, and recently, memory lapses almost ruined my life. Now I'm back to normal and remember almost everything with ease. Well, my memory problems didn't start at birth. All junior high and first years of high school, I remembered absolutely everything. I was a great student, memorized stuff easily, and even helped my friends with their lessons. Kira has a phenomenal memory, the teacher said. She can memorize long poems, formulas, and dates very quickly. You have to use that ability. My parents were thrilled. They complimented me all the time and said that they had high hopes for my amazing memory. I won school competitions. I was the best in my class and even in the whole school. However, my triumph didn't last long. If in junior high school, they still wanted to be friends with me because I was the smartest, then in high school, of course, I had my detractors. Those of you who are at least once the best at something know how it is. One day you get a round of applause and the next day they're calling you names behind your back. That's exactly what happened to me. My first enemy was Olivia. We went to different schools in junior high and she was the best at hers. Now she had a rival in my person. At first, Olivia took my progress as a challenge. Kira, congratulations, you did the best on the test. My teacher complimented me one day. Olivia snorted loudly and hissed, leaning toward her friend. Big deal. One time. Let's see who's the best next week. But next week too, my test was judged the best. And next week, and the next week. That's how Olivia knew I wasn't just a misunderstanding, but a real competitor and an enemy. One day, a classmate caught me in the school hallway, pinned me against the wall and blurted it out. Listen you, if you think you're the smartest, I hasten to disappoint you. I've collected every award in my school and I'm going to do it again. But what can I do if I have a perfect memory? I shrugged my shoulders. Just admit it that you're number two now, that's all. Olivia recoiled from me and stared wide-eyed. She looked like I'd punched her in the face. Number two? We'll see about that. I would do anything to make my parents proud. And the classmate wasn't lying. I wasn't too worried at the time. What's she gonna do, kill me? That's ridiculous. I didn't even tell my parents about the story, but Olivia was determined. She and her friends were going to teach me a lesson. The girls broke into my locker, stuffed it full of books, and broke the lock. When I tried to open the locker door to put my things, it didn't open right away. I pulled the door as hard as I could. It flew open, and a ton of heavy books and textbooks fell on my head. In fact, that was the beginning of the worst chapter of my life. After the blows on my head, I lost consciousness. I didn't know what kind of books those bitches had put in there probably all the volumes of a medical encyclopedia. I woke up already in the hospital. The first thing I saw were my parents' upset faces. Kira, my mother exclaimed. How are you feeling, honey? What happened? I couldn't remember anything at all. My parents told me about the locker in the books. The doctors reassured my parents. They said it was just a minor bruise and that it wouldn't affect my life in any way. For about an hour, my mom and dad calmed me down and promised me I'd be home in a couple of days. You need more sleep now, he said. Dad stroked my head. We'll definitely visit you tomorrow. But at that moment, I suddenly looked at my parents fearfully and asked, Where am I? What happened? And that's when mom and dad realized that the bruise wasn't so minor. Yes, I had blackouts. And they reoccurred so often that every hour, my parents had to from the beginning to tell me where I was and what had happened. The doctors were just throwing up their hands. They took all the necessary x-rays and found nothing wrong. From that moment on, however, my life changed completely. At first, my parents still hoped 
that returning to my familiar surroundings would help me with my memory lapses. However, on the first day I had a real tantrum, when I suddenly found myself in the middle of the school hallway. I had completely forgotten how I woke up this morning, how I was going to school, and I didn't remember the way to school either. No, schooling is out of the question, said a worried dad. Only distance learning. But distance learning wasn't going to do any good either. Once I had learned something, within an hour, I couldn't remember anything I'd learned. That's how my successes ended. And most importantly, I didn't know who had set up the textbook incident. I vaguely remember disturbing Olivia's life, but I couldn't remember our last conversation or anything that might have pointed to a classmate. But I was sure that one day I would remember everything and find the culprit that was phenomenal. My memory would now be considered by the Dory Fish. About a week after I switched, after I switched to homeschooling, someone rang our doorbell. I went downstairs and froze. Standing on the doorstep was Olivia and her friends. My mom, who had opened the door for guests, I think she was confused too. I'd been sick the whole time. None of my classmates or school friends had ever come to see me. Oh, that's right. I don't have any friends. Kira, how are you feeling? We came to check on you. Olivia seemed very sincere, and so did the girls who decided to keep her company. Seemed pretty friendly. I sensed some kind of unease, but I couldn't figure out what I didn't like. My mother invited my classmates into the house. She set the table, and we all sat down for tea. You really don't remember anything at all? Olivia asked me thoughtfully. I remember things until I black out. I don't remember much since then, since I came to my senses. I explained. What do the doctors say? Will your memory come back? My mom explained to the girls that the doctors are trying to help me. But so far, the therapy is having very little effect. The girls were relieved and looked at each other. I was very pleased that they cared about me. However, by the end of the tea party, I had lost some of my memory again. Olivia? Girls? What are you doing here? I stared at the guests in surprise, and they stared at me. Your friends are here to see you, said my mother patiently. Friends? I don't remember having any friends at all. Olivia suddenly jumped to me and took my hand. Of course we're friends, Kira. You're so good, and you're about to be the best in school again. The girl almost cried, and I smiled back at her. Weird. My scrappy memories were telling me that she and I were major enemies. But how could an enemy care so much? I must have got it all wrong. One morning, my mother left me home alone. She needed to get to the office right away. I'll sign the papers and be right back, honey. Don't worry, I smiled. I'll just lie down and watch the show. Nothing will happen. But about 15 minutes after mom left, the doorbell rang. I had to go downstairs and open it. There was Olivia on the doorstep. Hi, Kira. I took the afternoon off from class and I thought, why don't we go for a walk together? You probably don't get out of the house at all. Yeah, I rarely went out and I only went out with my parents. We were always in a hurry to get back before I'd forgotten everything again. I don't even know. It was scary to leave home without my mom and dad, but Olivia was my friend. We'll just go for a ride in the park and come back. I got changed, got on my friend's bike, and we rode. We rode quite a long time. I was beginning to get worried. In general, I remembered my neighborhood, but at some point I realized I didn't recognize the houses and cafes we were passing. Aren't we far away? I got worried. No, we're right down the street. Olivia smiled. You poor thing, your memory lapses. I calmed down. Yes, it was probably my memory that was playing tricks on me again. Finally, we stopped. I got off the bike and looked around. There were only abandoned houses and deserted streets around. This isn't a park. I think I took a wrong turn. Olivia was puzzled. Let me ask someone for directions because my phone is dead. The phone, I forgot all about it. My cell phone is on the bed in my room. I must hurry back in case my mother comes looking for me. Stay here and don't go anywhere, my friend told me and drove around the corner. And then I lost my memory again. I found myself in the middle of an unfamiliar street with no memory of how I got here. I was in such a panic. What am I going to do now? Where are my parents and where is my home? Why didn't I have my phone with me and where had all the people gone? Crying, I sat down on the sidewalk. Hey, miss. I looked up and saw a man. 
He was looking out the window of his car, coming out of nowhere. Is something wrong? I'm lost. I don't know where I am or how to get home. Wow. Do you remember your address? I'll give you a lift. The man seemed friendly enough. He got out of the car and headed towards me. But then my memory, which had failed me time and again, reminded me of maniacs and murderers who also look nice and then lure their victims into a trap. Stay away from me! I screamed at the top of my lungs. Miss, I'm a policeman. The man went to his pocket for some reason. I thought for sure he was going to kill me. So I jumped up and ran down the street as far as I could see. But I didn't run for long. I tripped on the uneven pavement and fell down, hitting my head as hard as I could. I woke up again in the hospital. And again, my parents were leaning over me. Kira! My mother was crying now. Did you find me? That's good. I went with Olivia and I got lost and that man. You remember everything? Yes, after another stroke, my memory magically came back to me. And now I remember everything. The feud with Olivia and her threats and how she showed up at my house pretending to be my friend. Sometimes people cross the line to be the best they can be. Like Olivia, trying to get her parents approval. She went completely off the rails. My classmate was just trying to teach me a lesson by doing that prank with the textbooks. But when I lost my memory, I realized I overreacted. It's one thing to have a bump, but it's another to lose consciousness and amnesia. Olivia was afraid of getting kicked out of school for that prank, or even go to jail. So she first made sure I remembered very little, and then decided to play it safe and take me away to another neighborhood, leaving me alone. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I don't know what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for that policeman. Even on his day off, he couldn't get past a damsel in distress. Olivia didn't go to jail, but now she has to work with a psychologist all the time. And I'm back to being the best student ever. If you were me, would you forgive Olivia? Be sure to share your thoughts in the comments below this clip. Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned! One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food. I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a cent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you, but why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior and smiled. Wh what? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want too? She asked. Of course I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy, until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. 
I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. Nick, Caroline lives here now. Accept it, said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house, slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven. I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am. And you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room. And I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt. But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly, my heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, Mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal, so they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off, so I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, it pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals, but it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business, and I want to be a doctor, and we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick, even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. 
He even got hung up on the phone a few times, for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you. No one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up. Follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? Then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. Dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine. Don't worry. He smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father, and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life, and Nick became not just my brother, but my best friend, with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them. Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye! Hey guys, my name is Gloria, and you won't believe it, but... I eat money. I love its taste and crunch, but it was not always like this. It's just that at some point I wanted to try something new in my life. To be honest, this turned into certain trouble for me. I live in a very wealthy family. My parents are big businessmen who sell cars all over the world, so I have everything that any teenager can dream of, and even more than that. For example, on my 13th birthday, my parents gave me a yacht on which I had a cool party. And when I turned 14, I got a helicopter. And if you think that's cool, you're wrong. You see, when a person doesn't have a lot of money, they can dream and get incredible emotions from purchases. But I can't do that. I have everything. And I no longer dream of anything. And new expensive things do not evoke any emotions in me. Lately, I have lived as if in a vacuum that was covered with gold. Everything around me was shining and sparkling, but this didn't impress me. However, one day, everything changed. Once, my classmates and I were hiking, but had a little trouble. 
the branches of the trees were wet because of the recent rain, which, by the way, hadn't been mentioned in the weather forecast. In addition, Leo even forgot to take paper, despite the fact that he was responsible for the things that were necessary for the fire. This meant that we would not be able to make it. We were already getting a bit nervous because Leo's lips were blue from cold and my hands became numb. The rest of my classmates tried to keep warm by hugging each other. We needed too much time to go back, but we were already exhausted, so we had to stay there and shiver with cold. Some of us have already begun to think that we would freeze to death there, and for some reason, it was at this moment that one brilliant idea came to my mind. I completely forgot that I had several bundles of notes in my backpack. I took them out, calmly set them on fire, and then put more or less dry branches on them. This was how we got fire. The guys didn't cry as much from the horror stories that we told each other on the way as from me burning the money. They were really upset seeing this, while I actually felt some kind of pleasure. I loved seeing shocked faces around me, and it evoked emotions in me. I decided not to stop there. So when I got home, I ordered the housekeeper to light the fireplace. And when the flame was blazing in it, I was throwing green bills there. I enjoyed watching the fire consuming them, because at that moment, I felt almost like the lord of the world who could afford anything. However, I quickly got tired of it, and again I found myself in a void. But I did not want to be there so much that I decided to do another crazy thing. I smashed my car, which cost several million with a bat. And after that, I cut many of my branded clothes with scissors. But the problem is that I still do not feel joy and happiness at all. And then, one evening, while suffering from idleness, I was watching a YouTube video of a girl eating a $100 bill. At that moment, I thought that she was crazy. But a little later... This idea seemed very tempting to me. I took a $10 bill, tore it in half, and ate it. Well, you won't believe it, but I even liked the taste of money. Also, the note crunched so cool on my teeth. And since then, I ate several bills every day. Once, I came up with the idea of making a salad out of money and adding garlic sauce to it. <laughs> that was yummy. But then I wanted to show everyone how cool I was. Right at school, I made myself a sandwich with $100 bills and ate it in front of my classmates, licking my fingers. They were shocked and asked why I was doing this. I replied that I liked the taste of money and then suggested that they try the wonderful sandwich too. Leo said that I was nuts and I was doing some kind of bullshit. Because of my antics, I lost a friend who, for some reason, didn't want to talk to me. He began to ignore me, and it seemed silly to me because I did not judge him for eating a lot of burgers. However, Leo's ignoring did not stop me, and every day I continued to eat money in the school cafeteria. The guys told me that I was crazy while I found their reaction funny, and then I decided to go to a new level. After coming to the park, I sat down on a bench, took out my wallet, and started eating money. I also made a thick straw out of bills and began drinking a milkshake. Some people were looking back at me, while others were making comments, and one guy even took my wallet with money and ran away with it. I just laughed at it, because it was already empty. Then some old lady sat down next to me, and after looking at what I was doing, she condemned me and said that I did not value anything in this life. I didn't want to listen to the moral teachings on how I should behave, so I decided to visit my favorite cafe to get a coffee and cheesecake. But this turned out to be a real disaster for me because I was badly poisoned, and in the evening, called an ambulance to be taken to the hospital. While I was lying in the ward after the stomach wash and waiting for my test results, I published an angry review on the page of that cafe, mentioning that one could easily get poisoned there. 
However, when the doctor entered the room, he said that the printing ink caused my poisoning. He asked what I had eaten on that day, and I told him everything, emphasizing on the coffee and cheesecake. But the doctor said that my addiction to banknotes, which were soaked in a very dangerous and toxic paint, was to blame. He added that if I had continued to do the same thing, I would have died of poisoning very soon. I immediately deleted the review from the restaurant page and thought that I would again have to look for some crazy way to evoke emotions in myself. And I will also have to say goodbye to the wonderful taste of money. This made me really upset. And because of negative thoughts, I could no longer stay in bed. I decided to take a short walk down the hospital corridor and call my parents. They were abroad at that moment, but promised to send a driver with a package of normal food. And when I was waiting for it, I noticed a girl not far from me who was sitting on a chair and reading a book. I was very bored and decided to chat with her. Her name was Dina, and she also got to the hospital because of poisoning. We got into a conversation, and I thought that Dina was a very interesting girl who was wise beyond her years. When I was handed a whole bag of groceries, I was very happy, and then I noticed with what desire Dina looked at it. I asked if she had anything to eat besides hospital food, and she said that her parents didn't have the money to buy that much food. It turned out that Dina was from a poor family where all the attention was devoted to her disabled younger brother. He needed care and expensive medicines, which consumed most of the family budget. Dina said that she was not mad at her parents because they were trying to help him. Her story moved me, so I gave her my entire package. I also felt terribly ashamed. For a long time, I did not know what to do with money, and because of that, I started eating it. While many people cannot afford even basic food, Ugh, what a blind idiot I was. Before my discharge, I handed Dina a check for $100,000 to make it easier for her family to support the children. She refused it at first, but I still convinced her to accept the check. And then I decided to help other children and families. That's why I gave all my pocket money to charity funds, so that there would be more and more happy and healthy people in this world every day. Why haven't I thought about this before? It's so great to help others. While being engaged in charity work, I finally began to experience vivid emotions, which were, in fact, only positive. It was much cooler than burning and eating money because they made me feel relevant and useful. If you had as much money as I do, what would you do with it? Give your answers in the comments. Don't forget to click on the thumbs up button below the video and be sure to share it with your friends. Bye-bye.